Praise the Lord. Thanks, Ian. Praise God. Good morning, all. All right. I'll start this morning by reading a couple of scriptures here. The first one is in Luke chapter 7 and verse 1. It's the story about the centurion and the great faith that he had. Just let you get your Bibles there. I want you to see this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded urgently with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation, and he has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house of the centurion, uh, when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. And look, I mean, look at the humility here in this guy. This is no, you know, weakling. This is a centurion. This is a major figure, an important figure. And yet there's enough revelation there for him to be that humble. Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I don't deserve you to have, to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But he sent other people. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I say to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I would think that Jesus would say, I have not found such humility. That's not what he said. I tell you, he said, I have not found such great faith. Faith. Even in Israel. Strange response from Jesus. Let, let me, before we talk about that, turn to Ephesians as well. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 17, look at this. Jeanette had a pastor many years ago before I knew her, and this was one of his favorite scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, Paul talking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The, the, the pastor that Jeanette used to have was called Vernon Hyam. And he used to say this over and over again when talking about that specific prayer of Paul. He would pray for his people that they would be full of wisdom, insight, understanding and knowledge. The fourth thing Paul talks about. I keep on asking the Lord, the, the, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom, of revelation, that you may know him. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and insight. Now let me just flip back to that centurion a moment. The centurion had those four things, if I can put it that way. Here he is, he's not a Jew, not part of the kingdom in that sense, but he has enough insight spiritually to know that Jesus Christ has authority, right? He has enough wisdom to obey that authority. He has enough knowledge of what? He has enough knowledge of 
the spiritual realm that he compares Jesus to his world, his centurion world, and he makes a comparison there. That's astounding. Now, Jesus translated all that knowledge, and he called it faith. He called it faith. And I think we can so easily miss a point here. For, for, for lack of knowledge, my people perish, right? Now, let's get one thing clear, folks. You don't need to know all the nitty-gritty details of the Nephilim and the history. and everything. You don't. What you need to know most is how to drive demons out. Amen. First and foremost, first and foremost, above all things, more important than everything, is that you have the faith and the confidence to deal with the issue. Now, that doesn't mean that knowledge is unimportant. It doesn't. We will balance up. It's the beginning of a long series. We will balance up naturally as we proceed. But I don't want you either to underestimate the importance of knowledge because knowledge, as you see in the centurion, translates into faith. Translates into faith because you've got substance. And people get miracles, lose miracles. People gain victory over the spirits that bother them for one week. And then the next week they're angry again. Or the next week they're in a sulk again. What's causing that? Lack of solidity, lack of depth, lack of knowledge. Lack of a deep work. And the work can be on the surface of our lives. And I'm telling you, I believe that it is knowledge that is at the basis of this. A deep root, and that's a very good scripture to prove it right. Our goal and our, our, our aim as a church will be to get you involved in the deliverance ministry, in the healing ministry. Who's you? You. You. Okay? I went to see Benny Hinn a couple of times, you know, in... Uh, Manchester, and it was very good, but it's very sad. It's very sad because I don't believe it's what Jesus would have wanted, actually. And I don't believe that was the plan. We read it last week. First of all, he commissioned the 12, then he commissioned the 72, then he commissioned the 120, and the, so we're going somewhere. It wasn't supposed to be one man. Something's wrong. Going in the wrong direction there. It was supposed to be a body. Supposed to be a commission of the body of Christ to go into the world to preach the gospel and to drive out demons. Amen. And the focus, and I pity people like that. You know, we need to pray for world leaders like that. It's no criticism of Hain or anybody else who tries to do that because there's a because there's a lack, because there's omissions in the wider body, and pastors appease their churches. That's why there's a lack. We need to motivate people, move people, and stop at nothing to get the body moving. And see this thing operate and work. And I believe in the last days that's what we will see, particularly within Europe. So our goal will be to mobilize and motivate this particular body and the congregations, because we're doing the same series within the other congregations. The same focus will be on us all. I don't believe this congregation can actually deal with this alone. Okay? Uh, we need the Eritreans. We need the Pakistanis. Pastor Fred is an... I mean, the word expert is the right word. He is an expert on these things, currently doing conferences across the UK, five of them on deliverances. He's just finished two. He's got three more coming, okay? Places where he's been requested to come in because he speaks Greek and Hebrew, biblical Greek and biblical Hebrew, and he takes you back into the history of power, the sources of power, demonic power, etc. Pretty similar to what we're doing, but in much more depth. 
He's averaging, no, he's averaging at the moment 15 phone calls from around the UK for deliverance, for healing, a day. Okay? That's because he's going out on glory on the radio in Urdu across Europe at the moment. And people are, are ringing back, pray for this, pray for that. Fantastic. Fantastic. But there's a lot. He comes from a very different perspective than Tom will come from or I come from. He comes from a much, much, much more deep biblical place. And we'll be dealing with that later in the year, about September, October, I would hope that Fred will come in and teach us some of the stuff that I've seen. He's done already with his own congregation, which completely astounded me. Astounded me when I sat there. I thought, my Lord. Do you know what, folks? I tell you, you pay a high price for disunity. You pay a high price for disunity. Because this country gets this revelation, but this country misses it. And if we don't work together, we end up with half the story, half the power. And one of the blessings of traveling is you see the reality of what's missing here. And it's not here, it's there. And God has his own little ways of pushing us to work together. He'll starve you into it, if you like, right? So I'm excited that we do have the tools and the utensils there right at our hand, and we will hopefully progressively coordinate the amalgamation of that power in what is the end times church, which is us right here, okay? The powerful thing on the face of the earth, the end times church will be. The glory on the latter house will be greater than the glory on the former house. I believe that. You believe that. We need to be ready for that then. And equipped and making room for that. Last week we were talking about attention. This is a big deal for me because I think it's a big deal for, for all of us. Who wants attention here? Mm, just about everybody. You're a human being. And we all like a little bit of comfort, a little bit of recognition. I mean, there may be one or two exceptions. I'm certainly not one of them. But we need to deal with this issue, and until I feel free in my own spirit about it, I'll come back to it again and again, because I think we need to, to absolutely dig this thing up by the root. It's a problem. Remember what Lucifer said, I will exalt myself. I will be seen by all men. I will rise up onto the heights. In fact, look at Philippians a moment. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. This is great. Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of personal ambition or selfish ambition. In other words, be kingdom only focused. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, rather value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you should look to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, is the, is the word in some versions. Mindset is even better, I think, actually, as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, he already had it, to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Wonderful, wonderful scriptures. Now look at this. Remember the story, folks. I just want you to think. I think about me. I want you to think about you. Focus on yourself. Amen. Focus on yourself. Think of your attitudes. Think of how you are behaving in whatever function or ministry you're in. Think of yourself as a person and remember the fall of the devil. Remember what caused it. There he was. Imagine this. It's eternity past. And you have God the Father, God the Son, because the Son of God is eternal. He's the eternal Son of God. God the Father, God the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit. Now, I reckon that Jesus, in some way, in eternity past, exemplified, if you like, the personification of the glory of God. Amen? In some way, in the Son, there was beauty. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And in some way, the Son of God was the glory, if you like, of God and exemplified that, personified that. Now, before the throne, you've got who? Lucifer. And Lucifer's responsibility is the worship leader. And he's coming before the throne and he's bringing worship to God and he sees this beautiful Jesus. And at some point, there was a change in the heart of that angel. At some point, that angel said, I could be like that. <laughs> I, could be I could be just as beautiful as him. I could receive that worship. I could receive that glory. And we know the story. That need or that bid for attention caused the entire collapse of that particular one-third of heaven fell with Lucifer. Because of that need, that want for attention, for praise, for worship, for affirmation, whatever word you want to use. And for me, I, I, I don't believe that you can ever get past this. I think you need to be conscious of it all your life long if you intend to be used by God. Because it's never going to go away. Die, amen, Gordon. Paul said, I die once, once a week. <laughs> I die every day. In other words, there are things in me that is not going to be a testimony of something that happened 20 years ago. There are things that are going to be after me all my life, and I need to be ready and not seek glory, basically, which is what it is. I need to not seek glory. I need to do the work of the kingdom and make sure that that glory is going Godward and not make the same ridiculous mistake. See, G Lucifer tried to exalt himself to the highest place. And what happened to him? He was cast down. Jesus didn't try to consider equality with God something to be grasped. Lucifer tried to grasp it and was cast down. Jesus submitted and stepped down into humanity, took on human form, and therefore God has exalted him to the highest place. Truly, folks, the way up is down. The way up is down in every respect, in every regard for your progress in the kingdom 
follow the example of John the Baptist in all ways. I will endeavor, Lord, to decrease so that you may increase through me. Let's every one of us commit to that, will you? I will endeavor to decrease so that you may increase in me, have more room in me, more space in me to use me, to glorify your name through me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Look at this. Hebrews 12, verse 5. I'll ring, read from the King James. I always get a bit tongue-tied with King James. But I think the, the NIV loses some of the pertinence in this particular verse. Hebrews 12, 5. Talks about my, my, my topic today is actually authority, which the centurion understood. I'll, I'll, I'll get there in a moment. But look at this when it talks about authority, which is a huge problem in our society today. And ye have forgotten, Hebrews 12, 5, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint not when he has rebuked, uh, when you are rebuked of him. I can't read this. Oh, this is terrible, isn't it? <laughs> King James. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and who he scourgeth, every son whom he receiveth. I, I just want you to see something there. This is important. Our, our, our topic today is authority. The centurion had what? Authority. He had faith. He was moving in those things, understood those things. And Jesus commended that greatly. I believe that one of the greatest problems within our society, certainly within the UK, is authority. And down in the homeless there, I mean, I was telling the guys, these men that you see coming out of this building, alcoholics, drug addicts, I guarantee you, ask them when they started. 10, 11, that's when they started. Who's not doing their job? Authority. Lack of love. In the end times, the love of many will grow cold. And I tell you folks, parents are not loving their children. Not loving their children. Making peace with the devil. That's what's happening. And letting the kids run riot and then we go down on Thursday. That's the result. That's the result. Not the only result. There's other forms and other results, but that is definitely a result of lack of order and authority and discipline in the homes in, in probably the vast majority, there will be exceptions, but probably the vast majority of those people. And, and in, in Hebrews there, the writer of Hebrews exhorts us not to reject authority. Do not be, he, he says two things. Do not despise it when you come under authority. Do not despise it when you are corrected. Folks, everybody look forward. Have you got any idea if I need to bring correction to someone, if I need to say, Davies, do you know what? I'm going to change you. You've got problems. And I'm going to change you. I'm going to come into your world and I'm going to put my finger on the issues in you. Do you have you any idea of the reaction you get to that? Despise me. Davies could go and say, I despise you, Pastor. That's what you can get. My son, do not despise it. Do not despise it when you receive crit constructive criticism, when someone offers you help, because that's authority doing its work. 
That's God that proves you're a son. Proves you're saved. Amen. Proves you're a child of the king. Don't despise it. And look at what else he says. He says, don't lose heart. Or in your version, it may say, don't be discouraged. And this is the problem. Let's say somebody up here makes a mistake on the guitar or something and they mess up and say, come here, can I talk to you? The guitar playing's all over the place. We need to try and... Oh, well, I'm discouraged. I just won't play the guitar anymore. You see? But this is what happens. This is what happens. My son, that's boys and girls, do not despise authority. Do not despise discipline. When it comes to you, it is proving the fact that you're in the kingdom of God and that you're a child of the king. And as such, you must receive the authority, not despise it. Amen. As such, do not back off from what the Lord calls you to. Rather, change and adjust to fulfill that function, that role, that gift, whatever it may be. And do not be discouraged when criticism, constructive criticism comes. And believe me, folks, human beings can be clumsy. I can be very clumsy. Okay? You need to be able to get past that and not and be able to receive it. Do you understand me? Your disciples, your cell leaders, your pastors will not be perfect. And they will make mistakes. Get over it. Amen? Get over it. Just take the criticism and you'll be a better person for it. Now, in my experience, those who reject criticism typically are, are, are often in ministry for the wrong reason. Okay? But those who are happy to receive criticism, generally you'll find that that's the kingdom. I used the example. It's the best example I've ever had in my life. It was the street preachers. Remember that? When the guys were down the street and we, had, we were getting great crowds. It was the, the old painting days when we used to do that sketchboard stuff. It was so effective. For years it was effective. It was, it was, we were having great outreaches and these guys down the street, nobody was with them. Everybody's walking past. And twice I went to those guys and I said, hiya, you know, hello, but they didn't really want to know us. I said, it's good work you're doing there. You're preaching away there. Any, any chance we can meet up for coffee? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go on. No. I'm back again, you know. I, I, do you, are you sure? I just wanted to help. I wanted to try and help because they were, it was very hard. Their preaching was very hard and it wasn't actually doing any good. Uh, maybe they felt better, but they weren't, you know, people weren't getting saved. So I was trying to help. But as I walked away from them the second time, remember, I had a word from God. Remember? Remember what the Lord spoke to me? They don't care. That's a shock to me. Shock to me. You know it's God. What is not in my mind? I'm walking away from them, trying to make friends, trying to help them with ministry. And God spoke to me. They don't care. I tell you, I had to stop and think, what? You're down there every week. Those guys are preaching the gospel for years every week on the street. How can you say they don't care? Because they reject authority or help and I suddenly realized my Lord you could do that your whole life couldn't you you could actually work in ministry your whole life and not know that your motive is corrupt that it's actually selfish ambition or it's something else Uh, do you know how you tell Hebrews they receive correction they receive criticism constructively They don't get discouraged. This is a type. And this is the type we need to have right here. Amen. This needs to be talking about who? You. This needs to be you. 
that you find your track in life, you find your role in life, and you start to, 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 to just crave criticism and correction of the right sort so that you can grow and extend and we build a kingdom here. Amen. Our topic is authority in, in a wider sense. For me, this, is, this was a huge issue. I've shared with you before, many new people here, for the first five years of my ministry life, I was full, full-time joke. That's what I was. Full-time, yeah, right. I couldn't work. Remember the story, folks. I want you to know it, and I want you to think about yourself. I could not work with anybody. And I couldn't work with anybody. I was hopeless. Absolutely a, a tragedy. I had huge issues to do with this authority. I haven't dealt with it completely, but I tell you what, I, I, I dealt with it. I dealt with it enough to function. And it's for me, in ministry, it's night and day. It's chalk and cheese. There's no comparison between what I was before that conversion, which is what it was. It's a complete change. Complete mind change, complete life change. From And there were several things I did. I kind of fasted my way out of it, you know, and, and prayed my way out of it. But something has to change where we're broken inside. You don't need to be in ministry very long before you realize that authority is a massive issue. In fact, I would maybe put it as number one in terms of problems in the church. That's a big claim. Let me justify my claim. Do you hear what I just said? <laughs> I, I, I reckon that authority is probably the number one issue. Listen why. Parents will come to us and complain that their children don't obey them. Can you help us? A husband will come to me and say his wife is rebellious. A wife will come to me and say, I don't know whether I should obey my husband in this or in that. A worker will come and say, we don't know what to do in work because my boss is asking me to do ABC. The cell leaders will come and say, we've got a problem. This person won't obey me. And it just never ends. And if you trace each of those issues back, you realize at the root of them all is authority. At the root of them all is a, a lack of faith in authority, a lack of understanding around authority. And I find that people, they take a guess. So the wife at home doesn't know whether she should obey her husband. So she goes, um, uh, yeah, I will, I think. There's no faith there. No security there. It's wobbly. No good. The, the worker who's being asked to do something in work that they're not quite sure about, they think, should I obey, should I not? Um, yeah, I'll obey, I think, maybe. And this is what you get with authority. That's what the centurion didn't have. The centurion was rock solid. He understood this. And Jesus commended him for it. But the, I tell you, the church does not understand it. It's a terrible issue in the house of God and leads to manifold problems that we need to trace back and actually deal with the root, which is what we'll do a little bit of today. Three areas I've given you on your notes in which we should understand authority and submit to authority, the world, the home, and the church. Let me deal first with the world. Romans chapter 13, please. Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 and following are very clear about how we should respond to the authority in the world. Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. That's everyone. For there is no authority except that which God has established. 
The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And, and Paul goes on to describe the different areas within society. I mean, briefly, folks, we are commanded in Scripture here to pray for and obey our government in all things except sin. So if, they, if something they're asking us to do, if they say you can't pray or something, you don't need to obey that. We can carry right on with our church meetings, with everything. You don't need to obey sin. But we are to obey the government of the land and pray for the government of our country in all things except sin. I remember I got myself in a lot of trouble when I was in Dublin. I hadn't been there long. And one Sunday I said to the church that we had there in Inchicore, I said, now we're going to pray for the Queen. Oh, that didn't go down well. I suddenly realized, oh, did I say something wrong? Oh, the reaction. Reaction. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Thank God you probably wouldn't get the same reaction now. But I, I stood my ground. You have to stand your ground. It's a bad spirit. That's a bad spirit. I said, well, believe me, folks, you can argue all you want. The problem is not with the Scripture. It says pray for your rulers. Now, if you've got some ancient history here, get over it. And we'll pray for Obama. We'll pray for Putin. We'll pray for whoever in the whole world. Pray for them. And some countries, thank God, have got born-again presidents. Amen. We need to pray more. This government in the UK is actually a great disappointment to me. Not financially. I think economically they're doing a good job. I don't need any more debt, thank you. That's the devil's trap. Don't fall for it. But I think politically they're an absolute disappointment because of the whole gay thing. We didn't see that coming, did we? Absolute shock. Complete shock. Even the Conservative Party is completely shocked. It's a great disappointment. We need to pray more. We need to pray for our governments. This is obedience to scriptures about the world. We need to pay our taxes, right? In every way, shape, and form. Tax evasion, tax avoidance, you know the difference, right? We need to obey our employers and be good employees in the world. And if we can't, if we can't do this, do you know what? We're, we're going to be in trouble when you get into spiritual things. What did Jesus say? If I can't trust you with mammon, how can I deal with you with true spiritual riches, right? So don't avoid this and say, oh, no, let's just talk about the demonic stuff. No, you, fo you know, focus on this and analyze yourself and put it right. I mean, the laws of the land, Scripture says we need to obey those laws. Speeding, <laughs> it's the easiest thing in the world, you know, isn't it? To get above 30, to get above 40, and you've got to be careful with that. And David Wilkerson, such a good, great man of God. <coughs> Killed in a car crash. I don't know. I, you know I'm, not, I'm not saying he was speeding. I've got no idea. I, I'm just saying you want to be careful. Because if you go over 70, you think, well, I'm a Christian. Put the foot down. God will see me through. Mm, don't know about that. 
need to be careful the voices you're listening to there. Do you know one of the first temptations of Satan to Jesus? Throw yourself off the cliff. Just throw yourself. You'll be okay. You can do 70. The angels will catch you. You're going to be fine. And what did Jesus? Don't test God. It's not a joke. Because that action was not in the will of his Father. So we're subject to the laws of the land, folks. And don't find that out the hard way. And it can be a temptation of the devil to make you feel aloof by you're above the law. And you're not. We're, we're not. Except for sin, and I emphasize that. So authority in the world, I won't spend time on. Authority in the home, huge issue for us. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. I'll just read that one verse. This is talking about principalities and powers. And I want to look at the home a moment. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil. Where? In the heavenly places. Okay? Now, in, if you go to another place in Scripture, Paul's talking there about the, the, the powers that fell. And he actually names them there. He calls them rulers and authorities. In Colossians, he actually makes a complete list. Everybody look up. See the third heaven. In the book of Colossians, Paul uh, lists all of the structures, the thrones and the different structures in the heavenly realm before the fall. Listen carefully. Then Paul says Lucifer fell, right? Comes down upon the earth. And Lucifer comes through the ranks of authority. And do you know who he takes with him? Rulers and authorities. In other words, there were thrones. There were different structures, different levels of authority. But the, listen carefully. There was a strata in the heavenly realms before the throne of God that was called rulers and authority. Lucifer didn't corrupt the thrones, by the way. They're still, they stayed before God. Lucifer couldn't convert them to follow him. He had to go lower. And he came into the realm of authorities. And there he got some angels, a third. To no wonder we've got a problem with authority. No wonder there's a problem with authority. It was that strata of the heavenly realms that got corrupted and came to the earth, as we said in our second week, right? No wonder there's a problem, and that helps me. If you can imagine it, remember Lucifer fell down upon the earth, but he, he's still a powerful being, but he's got no authority as such because he's just Lucifer. He doesn't have anybody following him, right? So he needed to convert those angels. He needed to bring those angels with him. I remember a guy in our, um, a guy in our church in, in Ireland. The church was doing very well at the time. And this guy, he was a powerful guy. Very, in some ways, influential. But no authority whatsoever. I had the authority. And he didn't have that. He wanted to take our church in a different direction. His name was John. And what did I do? I did nothing. I didn't need to do anything. He was wasting his time. But he was determined. Listen to this. Here you've got a guy with great power, actually, but no authority. So he can't do anything. So do you know what he started to do? Talk to my members <laughs> and say, hey, I don't think we should go this way. I want to go that way. And I knew that was happening, and I just let it run. And, you know, people say, you need, no, I'll, I'll, I'll let the Lord deal with that. No problem. And this one day, 
meeting had ended. You see, he's got power, but he's got no authority. He's got no people. And, and this one day, the meeting had ended. The place was buzzing over tea and coffee. And he made a big mistake. He went to my closest friend, the man I led to the Lord myself. And the first day I met him, Morgan, he's dead now. But he became my closest friend. And it was a terrible grief for us, actually. But he went to the <laughs> big, big mistake. Big mistake. He goes to Morgan at the back of the church, you know, and he says, Hey, Morgan, I'm going to call a meeting with some of you guys. Would you come around to my house? But don't tell Pastor Mike. That's what he said. So Morgan's a character. He's a real, real character. And it, this is what he did. Quiet! Everybody quiet! Quiet! And the whole place went, what? And Morgan said, Pastor Mike, John says he doesn't want me to tell you that he's holding a meeting in his place. What do you think about that? I said, Morgan, shh, shh, shh. He's a tough, big, rough Dubliner. And man, he dealt with that thing like a sledgehammer. I never saw John in our church again. He was gone. He was gone. He had power, but he had no authority. Do you understand? This is what Lucifer did in heaven. He didn't have legitimate power, the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Word of God. So Lucifer needed to try and corrupt some angels so that he had some authority. And that's what happens, folks. And that's what will happen in your home, in your workplace, or to you. So be discerning of the power. It's actually in the wrong place on your notes, sorry. I meant to put it in the middle of the notes, but there's legitimate forms of authority and there's illegitimate forms of authority and we need to be very careful of the type of authority we're operating under. You can say amen there if you understand the point. We need to be very careful. Look at the legitimate forms. What are they? Very, very simple. The Word of God. The Word of God carries authority. The Word of God. So don't go with traditions or teachings of men. Last week, was it last week I was saying to you, you know, if, if you don't need to understand all those things, just use the name of Jesus. Amen? The power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, like we just read in the book of Ephesians, exalted to the highest place, given a name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And if you're confronted by some spirit, you do not need to know its name. Do you know why demons want you to know their name? Because they want fame. They want their name to be famous. They want you to broadcast their name and silence the name of Jesus. That's why. Because they're looking for what? Attention. Because they know they're going to hell. They know they will be bound. They're the demons that followed Lucifer who said, I will be seen. My name will be known. That's where that's coming from. But we just read in the book of Ephesians that there is one name which is above every name. And that the name of Jesus, every spirit in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bow. Amen. Anything else is the, the witchcraft, the teaching of men. The centurion knew his authority. And his authority was based in the right place, focused in the right place. He understood the power. 
people remain trapped because of respect for demons. I'll say it a thousand times. The reason you're still suffering with mood swings, the reason you're still suffering with a temper, with lust, with poverty, you name it, is because you have respect for that thing. You have more respect for it than you do for the name of Jesus. And the day, the day, the minute, the second that Jesus takes his place in your heart, you can use that name and that thing will leave you. And you will be free. Do you get it? Do you understand? The battle is for attention. The fight in Lucifer is for attention. Right? So you keep that name. It's what's been given to you. Here you are. And you can do anything that God wills you to do on this earth. So put everything else beneath your feet. There is legitimate authority, folks. And there's illegitimate authority. Legitimate authority is God's Word. The Scriptures. I've said it to you before, I'll say it again. I have much more reason to doubt that book than you do. And the reason for that is because I've been to Bible college, a specific type of Bible college, where we exhausted the Scriptures, Church History College. And we did a lot of time looking at the formation of the canon, the Old Testament and the New Testament. You work all through that stuff, you know. And some people get shaken by it. I tell you what, I never did. It never bothered me. I believe that the Scripture in your hand is the inerrant Word of God preserved through the centuries. Now, it contains poetry and illustrations, but they're clear. So if Jesus is going to tell a story, he says, here's a parable. So you know it's not a real story. He will say that. There's books of poetry. There's books of commentary. That's fine. But I believe that the Scripture is the unbroken Word of God. That's what I believe. Okay? And if you can, whatever challenges are in your mind, believe me, I'm sure, Tom, yourself, as, as I've been studying with Bonky and Prince, I'm astonished at the amount of Greek and Hebrew that has absolutely tangled us up. Tangled us up and caused such confusion. And it's a breath of fresh air. It's a beam of light to see, ah, oh, the original Greek said that. And that's what's caused the confusion there. The scripture proves itself right. Proves itself right. They call it the anvil that has worn out many hammers. Because they have attacked it and attacked it. My point is, folks, when Satan walked up to Jesus, he didn't enter into a conversation with Satan, did he? No. That's what Eve did. And look where she ended up. Okay? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Remember, I'll be patient with the world, I'll be patient with the flesh, but I'll not have a word for the devil. Not have a conversation with the devil. You're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. Jesus didn't make that mistake. Eve did. So Satan comes up to Eve and says, did God really say that? And he says, well, let's just think about it. No, let's not think about it. That was her mistake, entertaining the devil. When Satan approached Jesus, he didn't use intellectualism. He could have. He didn't try and outsmart him with a quick conversation. It wasn't academia. What did Jesus do? Only one thing. Scripture. Three times. He didn't enter into the mind games. And this is where, the, the devil, where Scripture gives the devil his proper place. And I don't do that to exalt him. I trust you understand that. 
but it calls him a claverful. Someone, you're talking about a being here, who has been dealing with human beings just like you for a very long time. You're talking about a being who has defeated every Christian who ever lived. So you're going to be an exception, are you? The only person who actually defeated the devil is who? Jesus Christ. You have not defeated him? Jesus is the only one. And through Christ, you have authority there on the earth. You understand? Okay? Through Christ and only through Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's where you stand. Seated with him. Okay? So don't do what Eve did, but understand the, the power of the Word of God which is tied up in your hand right there. You've got it. You're carrying it. It's in the Word. It's in the living Word of God. And we, we will focus on that in weeks to come, ways in which we can release that. The world we obey, the home. Let me j just focus on the home a minute. Can I get personal? I normally get in trouble when I get personal. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm fed up of, of dealing with couples, you know. I, I don't mean deal with, sorry, Davis. <laughs> I love dealing with couples. I absolutely love it. What, fed up's the wrong word. I'm broken hearted. That's what I am. I'm broken hearted over it. And we did What's Love Got to Do With It? And we did Life After Love, two major series. And at the end of it, I mean, I could see virtually no fruit. Husbands still not praying with their wives, homes falling apart, pretenses, facades, masks, fakes. And I was very frustrated. And I'd be honest with you, the, the, the honest truth is the, 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 the marriage Sunday, the, mari the marriage testimonies that we did about five weeks ago, six or more, seven weeks ago on the Sunday night, that was just one of the best nights of my life. <laughs> it was wonderful. There were six couples, I think, and all six were praying every day. All six were Bible studies in their homes, all six having communion together nearly every day. And I was just over the moon, absolutely over the moon. Because you, you don't know, this is an authority issue, folks. When the homes are not running correctly, it's an authority issue. And, and you know, you do your, your first 10 couples that you counsel, then you do your second 10, then you get to 50, then you get to 100, and you soon realize, what are you dealing with? Same problem. You're dealing with the same problem again and 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 again. Let me show you what the problem is. Dorothy Davis, would you come, please? Come, come, come. Quick, quick. This is the problem we've got. Okay, just stay there, okay? They're just getting married, okay? Let's turn the clock back. Okay? Da, 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 da. Is that right song? Yeah. Okay. You stand here. And Davis makes his commitment to cover his wife and pray for his wife. And here he is. He's now covering her. Right? You know the story. He is her. The Bible says Christ is the head of the couple. No. Christ is the head of the wife. No. The Bible says Christ is the head of the husband. And the husband is the head of the wife. Very important. So it's marriage day. They go off on their honeymoon. Everything's hunky-dory. Davis is praying all the time. The devil, the devil's running around. Can't get at them as a couple. But you know what it's like, folks? You've got to get on with your job. The honeymoon's over. And Davis goes to work. And he stops praying. 
Because busy. I got things to do. Just face forward here. I got things to do. Just turn that way. Just turn away from your way. And that's the result. And you know what the devil does? Gotcha. Never mind him. Nothing to do with him. Generally, the man's just focused. You know what the devil does? Straight for the woman. Eve. Straight for the woman. Bombard the mind. Bombards the mind with every thought, every crazy thought. And it's the women who get completely screwed up and they don't know what to do. Pastor Tom, come quickly, please. Here he is. Here he is. You see? And here's, here's the pastor of the church. He's standing over here. You see? And she's crying. She's crying. And she looks this way. And she's like, God, I wish I had that cover. And she looks this way. Oh, yeah. And the devil's bombarding. The devil's attacking. So she goes, Hiya. Would you, would you help? And this has happened to me hundreds, hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. The same story. Would you come and help? Would you come and help take that umbrella? Thanks, Tom. Thank you. And you restore it. And you bring sanity back into the home. The husband, Christ is the head of the husband. And the husband is the head of the wife. And when this thing, do you know, when that falls, remember folks, when the cover falls, the wife feels vulnerable, exposed, attacked. She feels confused. And it can lead to real breakdowns, mental, emotional turmoil. All the guy needs to do, and as I've said to many of you husbands, one minute prayer. I'm not talking about hours of intercession. I'm talking about simply establishment that God will honor. Father, I ask your blessing on my family today in the name of hallelujah. God is very easy to please. He's impossible to satisfy, but he's very easy to please. And if you give him that moment, you give him that entry, he'll be in your house like a shot. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. My point is, we have a ways to go. We've got a job to do. And I don't believe it's possible unless the men take their position. You can say amen. amen. The men need to take their position. And your homes and your lives will be stable and strong. And then we're capable of doing ministry and helping others. Right? But it starts in the home. Begins and, and starts, I'm sorry folks, but four times more scripture talks to men than it talks to women. And when we did, I think it was Life After Love, I had one man walk straight up to me and say, you're far too hard on the men. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm absolutely balanced. You think I'm imbalanced? I'm not. You're just not reading your Bible. That's your problem. Four times. Four times more. And if, the men, if you get the men right, you'll get the children right. Because there should be authority. If you get the men right, you'll get the churches right. You'll get the women right. You'll get the growth right. But it, 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 I tell you, it rises or falls based on these guys. So pray for, the, pray for the men. We have some things we'll be bringing to you in the coming weeks about men's, women's, women's ministry and marriage ministry. We're just not there yet, but we're, we're close. We're conscious of what we need to do. We're not an exception. We're no exception. We're not an exception to pride. We're not an exception to attention. We're not an exception to needing to pray. I'm not an exception, neither are you. You need to continue to do your job as a wife. And I will continue to do my job. Middle of the night, she was standing in that building. 
with this message. I took a picture of her because I was crying. She was standing in the other building with this message, lifting it up to God in silence when you were all asleep, doing her job, lifting up her husband. We're not an exception. The day you think you're above it, or you start driving over the 70, or you think you'll just go off that cliff, you're in trouble. You're listening to the wrong voice. You need to get back to your Bible and do the basics. Let's do the basics. Let's get our homes right, get ourselves right, get our homes right, and everything else. The church really should look after itself after that. The last one, the church. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. This is a great scripture talking about how to obey your leaders and how that will bring blessing into your life. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. So at some point in my life, I had some kind of a conversion experience on this, I tell you, and I made it my ambition to make my leaders, everyone over me, always the immediate one I'm talking about, not a pope, the immediate person, the first leader, to make that person's life a joy. And I remember I began with Peter, still a friend of mine today, and I made it my heart's ambition, I am not going to be a problem to you because that would be of no benefit to... Read it again. Have confidence, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as ones who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to... You! You! And there's, I tell you, if you want a key, here's a key. Here's a big key for your future, your life, and joy, actually, because it's joy that is released. That would be of no joy. So where joy is lacking, obey your leader. And there's an automatic promise that comes with that, that joy will fill your home, fill your life, and that's where your strength comes from. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So there's a great, great key here of how to function within the church by making it, and I've done that now for a long time, I, I changed my mind many years ago and I made this decision that my life will be about providing for the needs of my oversight in Singapore. And I have not wavered from that in, in many years. I will provide there, not mine, theirs. They will have, do their priority, my priority. That, and I will try to make their life a joy. So anything they ask, they get. Anything they want, they'll do. What's your strategy? That's what we'll do. I'll try. And I find then that I survive. You can actually last. You can stay. You've got the, the backing of God in ways that you didn't even dream of. You turn around and you're blessed. You turn back and you're blessed because you're obeying this simple scripture. My counsel to you, obey your parents. Okay? Obey your leaders. Obey your cell leaders. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't look at that cell leader and say, hmm, I could do better than them. I know someone who had that attitude. He didn't end up very well. I could be like that. That didn't end well. So you keep your feet on the ground and take a good look in the mirror. This is the mirror, by the way. Take a good look in the Bible and accept, I accept my faults, my failings, and 
Folks, forgive me. I, I mean that. Please forgive me for all my weaknesses and my failings and my lack. And, and, and we as your leaders, you know, Jeanette and Tom and Helen and I, we ask you for, please forgive us. I know I can speak for them as well. Forgive us for all of our shortcomings. But you know what? Nothing can hold us back. Nothing can hold us back. When your heart gets right, when your heart gets right, you'll find, like the laborers in the vineyard, some of them working for years, and the ones who turned up at the last moment, there you go. Equal, I love it, I love it. The generosity of God. And even if you've screwed up for 20 years, do you know what? That's the goodness of God. Remember? And, and, and when Jesus did that, they started complaining. And Jesus said, what's your problem? you got a problem because I'm a generous God? And the fact is, they did. And you know, the person, you may think of yourself more highly, and most of us do. That's, that's a human trait. Humble yourself today like the centurion. Say, God, you know what? I, I don't even deserve you to come to my house. This is the house. I don't even deserve you in my house. Forgive me. Humble yourself. And let God fill you. Let's have the worship team back, please. Just bow your heads and stay still.